0: theme of things. Um, our Wednesday night classes we're going to be going through, and we've actually already started, going through the, uh, the lives of Isaiah and Jeremiah and uh, Ezekiel. Uh, we've already done Daniel a little bit ago, so we're going to leave him out of the, the major prophet group. But um, we're going to be in our, our class this uh, on the, uh, the Sunday mornings, we're going to be going through theology, how to get closer uh, in in our our understanding, because obviously if we're going to get closer to God, we have to get closer in understanding, um, but, uh, but our, our sermons uh, are going to be dedicated to uh, developing a, a closer life uh, to, to what God wants. Um, we just completed a year in which we've discussed our visible, and then uh, the second part of the year we, we talked about our invisible faith. Uh, the elements of our walk that are both internal and external, and um, we've noticed that there's a link. I think one of the things we, we found out there's a, there's a link between the character you develop inside and and how it ends up manifesting itself and, and how that benefits other people. And so this year we're 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 doing this. Uh, obviously we could we could do this. Uh, ad nauseum, that's what the Bible is. It's more than 52 lessons on how to get closer to God. Uh, the entire New Testament uh, uh, is about getting closer to God. And so uh, we're just going to pick out 52 different topics that we want to go through. Um, in the first month, we are going to um, kind of break these up by topics, I guess. Uh, but we're going to be looking at some foundational concepts of relationships, or relationship, if we want to look at it that way, relationship with, with God. When we hear this word, we hear it uh, a lot in a religious context. Talking about, do you have a personal relationship with God? And, and, and things like that. And, and, um, and sometimes uh, it, it begs the question, you're you just like, okay, so what does that mean? Now, if you ask somebody who uses this sentence, who uses this phrase, relationship with God. What does that mean? You're going to get one of two reactions. The first reaction, you're going, uh, I wasn't prepared. It's a nice thing I say in sermons. I'm not really sure what it means. It's just a religious phrase that we use to say, be really religious or something. Do you have a, really, a relationship with God? And that's the first reaction you'll get if, if you call somebody on it. What does that mean? You'll get a lot of uh, humming and hawing about the answer. The other reaction you're going to get is, is the, the reaction that says, that it's the, the old sanctimonious definition for relationship. Which is, well, when we pray, we talk to God. And when we read the Bible, God talks to us. There you go. That's what it is to be a, have a relationship and I'm telling you that's not those are aspects those are aspects of a relationship but it is not neatly summed up like that. We're going to go through a lot of texts and discussions about what a relationship is. But it is more than prayer and reading the Bible. The Bible itself is full of appeals to relationship. Now, I want to begin by by Talking about the role of language in our formation of, of this concept. You know, um, I was looking for pictures of it, but languages determine a lot of what your perspective is of things. So, so if we said justice, um, when, we, when we look at justice, we have a, a picture in our mind. And it is a picture of a female, right? Because in most languages, uh, other than English, most languages have what they call gender. And, and arbitrarily, words, you know, have this, have a gender assigned to them. Masculine, feminine, sometimes there's what we call neuter. It's just a neutral. But in most languages, justice is pictured as a female because, because it evokes... Um, uh, this A concept based on the language It's, it's a feminine noun That doesn't mean that justice is a girl But because it's connected to a a feminine noun Or feminine endings of nouns Those languages will depict it In Russian, justice is a masculine noun So, so the depictions of it will be masculine It will depict as a, as a male this is just, just the, the role of language. We're affected by the languages. Um, so so and, and someone went around and asked people their description of bridges, and and so in different languages. So, so they said, well, what do you think of like the San Francisco Bridge? Describe the San Francisco Bridge. Well uh, most people would, wow, it's big, it's strong, and, and they gave all these masculine, because in, in most languages it's a masculine noun. Uh, but they asked people in Spanish, I, I, think, it was, I think it was Spain, and where it is a feminine noun. I, I think that's right. I can't remember which way it went. But they, 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 they used words like beautiful and, and, and things like that because they associate it with a feminine noun. So, so just a subconscious thing that, that people do. Now, of course, in English... We don't have masculine and feminine, so so we don't associate things like that. We just borrow concepts from other languages that do. But the idea of relationship, even in English, is is a is a a thing that uh, we learn through the concepts of our uh, our language. In, in Russian, when uh, we were over there, it was interesting, and we're not going to talk about this, but but. The, I, Trying to learn the words and the equivalents for words, uh, the way that they approach a the word relationship was different from in English. So the Russian concept, so the word that most closely translates, is a word that means attitude. That's the word attitude. That so so you and I would have either a good or a bad attitude. That's that's it's really we're not talking about attitudes. Um, we're going to talk about attitudes of of this of getting closer here in, in a few months, probably. But uh, that's how they approach, in their language, uh, the concept of, of relationship. We, we don't. You think of the word relationship. What is a connected word? Well, we talk about being related. right? How something relates to something else. And so in English... We're going to be talking about for the next, uh, when we talk about relationships, what we're really talking about is connection. The English approaches this idea from, from how we are connected to something. How do we connect to God? Well, the Bible gives a description, and we're going to dwell on this a little bit today. Uh, we are related by adoption. Now, we want to be clear about when we say related by adoption. I want to go through a little bit of of adoption so we get the right frame of mind. Uh, Romans chapter 9, verse 3 through 5. You're going to have to bear with me. My, My throat is struggling to hang on this morning. So, he says, For I wish I were cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen. According to the flesh, they are Israelites. To them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, in the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises, and to them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God, overall, all, blessed, forever, and amen. And, and I, I read this, and, and something jumped out at me that had never jumped out at me before, because I had always assumed, or I had always connected the concept of adoption with Christianity. I had always thought of, well, we're adopted into the... Through, through baptism were adopted into to the church and all of these things. And, and I read this, and I'm like, wait a minute. I had never seen this before, before last week. That it was originally a Jewish privilege. The concept of, a, of adoption uh, by way of connection to Christ, or to connection to God, was a Jewish privilege first. Wow. Well, how did that how did that manifest itself? He he gives a, a list of things. We'll just kind of go through them briefly. He talks about a law. We're not going to go through them in order. The one that they were probably most proud of was their moral code. That uh, that this adoption, this connection, they 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 would. And you think, well, the law, they were proud of having the law. The laws, and we have all these descriptions of the law. And how They must have hated the law. And, and we look at the law as this a really negative, it gets a negative connotation when we talk about the law, doesn't it? No, the law. Well, the law is an awful thing right up until you live in a country that doesn't have one. Go live, go live in a place where the law is... You know, it's like Pirates of the Caribbean where it's, uh, what was the phrase that they used? It's more of a general guidelines, you know? Go go live in one of those places. All of a sudden you go, wow, this law thing is really good. I like this law thing. That's a concept that more people should have. They were proud of their law. It's one of the things that separated them in, in terms of being a civilized group of people from from, from, from barbaric uh Uh, societies around them so the law was the first thing that was connected he says uh, they had this agreement or covenants covenants is just a word that means arrangement or agreements again considered oppressive by some Um, the agreements mostly were I will give you this but but these are the requirements of you. God doesn't put a whole lot of requirements on himself he just kind of existed forever. The agreement is that you're going to do these things. And so, so a lot of people view the, the, the arrangement as, as unfair. I've got to do all these things. And you'll even hear people, oh, you, you're a part of the church. You've you got to do this and you've got to do that. No, I get to. The arrangements really were all about things that benefited them. And we're going to talk about that uh, as we go through this series. But it benefited them. It was to aid them in their life, not to hinder them. he says it he talks about the worship belonging to them, proper proper worship, humanity worship but he he talks about a part of this adoption was was assigning a worship that was beneficial when you look at the worship of societies in the world that that don 't that, that didn't have this adoption. It all surrounds fear. You, you've got to do these, these things or else your crops won't, won't grow. You've got to do this stuff or else you won't have rain. You, you have to do these things. That, and, and the rituals, when you look at the rituals, go back and look at the rituals of these pagan people. That, they involve human sacrifice. And they, they involve all this self-torture. And some, a lot of places that involved narcotics... We know what that does to a society. It was awful. Worship, just any worship wasn't good. He said, what belonged to them was this special worship, which was a worship in truth. He says, to them belongs the glory. What does that mean? Well, it was that they were to be a distinct people. That God picked this group of people out and said, I'm going to treat you as special. And I'm going to give you kind of a special place. Oh, they like that. That's a nice word. Ah, oh, to us belongs the glory, the example to other people, and then, of course, he says to them belong the promises. The greatest promises, of course. There were many promises. We talked about la- the, the end of the the uh, the year. Summing up our, our, our previous series, we talked about how there was one hope. Many things we hoped for, but, but there was really one hope that, that combined all these things. And, and this is similar. There's a lot of great promises, but, but there's one great promise that binds all these things together. And these, these promises that they had all culminated in the coming of Christ. And it pertained to actually a transition in their own religion that they weren't aware was coming. So that it ended up not being exclusively a Jewish privilege. And that's what a lot of the, the concept of Romans is about. And we're not going to go into that. I want to look at the uh, history of adoption. James 1.27 says that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit the orphan and the widow in their affliction and keep oneself unstained or unspotted from the world. He said, so what does that have to do with adoption? Adoption, as you know it, is a modern concept. What, what you think of as adoption. When, and so, so a lot of times when people are preaching sermons or, or, or teaching others about adoption and using Romans to, to try to describe adoption, they're describing a picture based on modern adoption, which is not historical adoption. It's not what Paul would be referring to. Because this is kind of the character, when we when we look at orphans and things like that, that's what we're looking at. We, we adopt orphans. Right? That, that's the way we, we think about it. Um, and prior to 1851, you didn't adopt orphans. Society took care of orphans, as the Bible describes here in James chapter 1. In fact, uh, they even ended up uh, in the late 1800s, they had orphan trains. This was a, a, an idea where they would round up orphans and, and, and they would go around the country with these orphan trains and, and hope that people would adopt them. It was just kind of a, a strange idea. So they just went from one town to another with, with these orphan trains. That's, that's, a, that's a modern, relatively in the history of the world, That's a a modern, prior to the, uh, there was a law passed in 1851 in Massachusetts that authorized child adoption. Prior to that, in the history of the world, it did not exist. It's not a thing. There was only what we would call adult adoption. You say, what in the world? Well, why adult? And, and why the child adoption? What's the difference? See, child adoptions are for one of two reasons. I'm unable, my family's unable to have a child. and We would like to raise a child. And my wife would like to know that pleasure of of raising a child, and she's missing out on that. And, and so, so we, in that situation, would raise and adopt a child. The other is humanitarian. We want to do something kind for this person. Here's a, a poor person, as I said, Prior to 1851, it was a societal thing. Take care of the widows and the orphans and their poor. Now, another aspect of that is kind of what made orphans. Uh, what we considered orphans was, was maybe a slightly different. Uh, it has, you know, there's a, what we think of orphans is, is people living in an orphanage. Right, that you go back, but, but widows and orphans, you, if you look in the Bible, they're always connected to each other. Right? Widows and orphans, widows and orphans, widows and orphans. Why are they always connected? Because an orphan wasn't a street urchin, you know, picking pockets. He was a child of a widow. And, and because of their culture, a woman didn't have the ability regularly to earn her own wage. So, so he was... He had a mother, a biological mother, but he was orphaned by a father. And so, so that was why there was the need to take care of, of the child, because there was, the family didn't have that ability. And, and so, so that's not really what the Bible's talking about when it talks about adoption. And really, if we, we, uh, there is a very famous, one of the most famous adoptions. I don't know if you know who that guy is. That is Augustus Caesar. He was adopted by Julius Caesar. Now, this is interesting because he's related to Julius Caesar. He's a nephew. And so, in uh, in fact, Julius Caesar only he had an illegitimate son, and other than that, he had he only had I think daughters. So he adopted, actually adopted several sons. Some of them died, and so finally he ended up adopting Octavius, became Augustus. And became the first emperor of the Roman Empire. But uh, adoption was for a different reason. Um, it was for having an heir. I, I have amassed this empire. I've amassed the wealth. I've amassed whatever it is, and I have no one to give it to. One of the saddest things that we see in the in in the world is to see someone so successful, either financially or or in whatever way, they, they, they build something. And you see this all the time with people who, who oh, we're not going to have kids. We're, we're, we've got our jobs and we've got this. And, 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 and all of the emphasis is on the, the, the success. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to build this great company. I'm going to do this great thing. And, and, and we're not going to have kids. It's like, okay, then what are you going to give it all to? what What a sad state. You became so successful and you have no one to pass it on to. And so, that was the state of Julius Caesar. Here I am, I'm a Caesar and I've got no one to give it to. I want a legacy. I want a I want a dynasty to come after me. So he adopts Augustus. And that was, typically, that was typically how adoption was done. Almost exclusively. To have an heir. And that's what we see in the, in the story of the Bible. Having an heir. And that actually eliminates both of our modern motives, if you think about it. Our, our two modern motives um, are the idea of, I want to raise somebody. Well, they're already raised. They're adults. Or, uh, I want to do something kind for this person who's grown up or who, who needs, uh, needs to be raised. Eh, well, they're already raised. They're already able to go out and get a job and do these things. So, so what's the purpose for adult adoption? It's different. It's completely different. Romans 9, 6, and 7 says, It's not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac, your offspring will be named. And so we want to get to the idea that we are related to God by character. And, And this is one of those verses where people go, Wait a minute, this is kind of God cheating you ever you read this uh, well what do you mean they're not all related because c- he made this thing. listen I-, I got this promise for you Abraham you're going to be the father of, of many 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 children the whole world is going to be blessed through you and, and all these things that, and you kind of really it, it, it didn't really kind of turn out that way I mean literally because of the way we look at it. And God says, well, I'm going to fulfill this promise a different way. I'm going to call them descendants, not because of their genetics. That's God, Isn't, isn't that cheating a little bit? That doesn't seem like you're really fulfilling your promise. Bear with me, and I'll, I'll illustrate that this is not cheating at all. God, first of all, gets to fulfill things any way he wants. And he extends it to the Gentiles, people who have no connection to Abraham. Wait a minute. These aren't even related people. Yeah, but I know, I'm fulfilling it a different way. There are two sources of connection, and one is genetics. That is one way to be connected to Abraham. The other is to be connected in terms of your character, your spirit. Now, is this cheating? No. I want you to think about how connected, genetically, a person today, a Jew, is to Abraham. How how genetically similar do you think they would actually be? Not very. Not very. Thousands of years of going to this location and this location, they're taken into Babylon, then they go to Persia, and they intermarry here, and intermarry here, they go to Greece, they go. And then we have Russian Jews and we have German Jews and we have. Uh, British Jews, and we have this Jews, we have African Jews, and we have all kinds of Jews from all over. And they're, they're intermarrying. You know how genetically connected a Jew is to Abraham? Not very. Now, here's the other thing. Is a soul, is a spirit a very real thing? Is a spirit a real thing? Yes! It's a part of our makeup. My spirit is a part of my makeup. We talked about this And the idea of uh, last year when we talked about being spiritual, one of those foundational principles is that a spirit is what gives something life. A spirit is a real part of my entity. So if I am spiritually similar to Abraham, then in a very real physical sense, I am more closely related to Abraham than a Jew today. As God sees it. it's not cheating at all. And God says, this is the source of adoption. To become related by your character. I want people not just connected to Abraham. Because Abraham was connected to me. So being similar to Abraham in these ways will make you similar to me. But it's to get closer to God. Romans 8, 12 through 15, he says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Again, this concept that the, the Spirit is really more real than physical connections. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba Father. Again, adoption is a spiritual thing. It's not a physical thing. As God does it. As God performs it. Someone who shows the character of Abraham is like Abraham. Someone who shows the character of God is like God. There are implications with this adoption. Now, it is difficult to pigeonhole, as I say, adoption. Uh, Romans eight, sixteen and 17. We see that God's motives are not really human. In either case, really, as we look at adoption the way we do it, so the Bible says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Well, God didn't adopt because he needed. I I really want to know what it's like (coughs) to raise children. That's not God's motive. And he didn't adopt so he could have an heir because he already had an heir. Because we are what? We are fellow heirs. So he already had an heir. So so really the way we do adoption it's it's not really a good metaphor. It's just the best that God can do in our language to try to give us an illustration of of what adoption is, according to him, what this process is. But he is he's not in search of some legacy, like some aging aristocrat. Oh, I got I to gotta come up with a legacy. What, what am I going to do? I'm going to adopt someone so I can pretend he's right, my son, but he's not really. It's not God. So the implications... My behavior indicates my adoption. Why do you not understand what I say? John 8, 43 through 47, he says, It is because you can't bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. This is a harsh, this is a harsh section. He says, "In your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why wouldn't you believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God, and the the reason you don't is that you are not from God. And so so the idea he's saying is, listen, your character is an evidence of, of your adoptive state. Who you've been adopted by will be indicated through your behavior. And this is a harsh thing you're of your father, the devil now, we should note that this is not as harsh as it sounds and there's a reason I say that he's he's describing a situation he this is not predictive he's not saying you can't change it because he gives in here uh, it, it, there's a, a reference if, if, if you do this, if I say this. In other words, there's still a possibility that they, they could be different. He's not saying, listen, you can't do what's right, and I'm not, I'm not I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prevent you from it. Now, I know this. Why? Because he's speaking to Jewish leaders. And we know Jewish leaders who <clears throat> came to him by night. We, we know of Nicodemus, Right? We know of Joseph of Arimathea, and, and those are just a few. And actually, the Bible says that, that, that there were many Jewish leaders coming to him secretly. So, so it's not saying that, that they were prevented from it, but he's, the ones he's talking to, he's just saying, like, this is the indication where you're at right now. So it's not that harsh. And the context gives them room to repent. Third John is a book or chapter. I never know if you should put the chapter 1 in there. It's only one chapter. It always confuses me. Um, a, a, A book we never really focus on, but he says, Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God, and whoever does evil has not seen God. Getting closer... Requires us to be more similar. That's where it starts. Be more similar. And we're gonna close with this. You know, like most discoveries, genetics is a kind of an effort, a group effort. No, one, you look, who discovered genetics, and then everybody disagrees because really, well, this person discovered this one element, and then this person did this, and, and it kind of it's kind of like a hundred-year process. But in 1990, things got interesting because they began actually mapping human genetics, which led to wonderful medical discoveries and then also led to, you know, moral dilemmas. (laughs) Now that we have all this knowledge and what people tend to want to do and push the envelope with it. What I want us to do is analyze our spiritual DNA. I've, I've received my characteristics from somebody, right? And then you know people that do things and, and they have a, a, a similarity. There's a, a facial characteristic. Is say, well, that person is... I, I've told this story. I know I've told this story before. But um, the guy that baptized me, he said he was... Um, his first day on a job, he, was, he used to work at a, he worked at a pipe factory or a valve company, rather. It was, he walks in his first day on the job, and one of the guys comes up to him, and he goes, you're the son of Sandy Sanderson. Uh, I knew both of them, and yes. Yeah, <laughs> you saw one, and you saw, the, you saw the dad, you saw the son. They, they were the spitting image of each other. I mean, just so close. You just know. You're related to so-and-so. <laughs> I have the similarities. I'm related Right, and that—that's our concept of relationship. I'm related. That that people should uh, that people should know my connection to God by the way I am. And when we analyze and we go, this is not similar. Well, here's a, a way to be similar. Here's a way to get closer, more similar. I close with this. I saw a video. My my son got me into Instagram. So you do these stupid reels, I'm like oh that's that's hilarious. There's there's something stupid, but I saw one that was that was <clears throat> it was very funny. And it was it was a I, I assume they were watching a football game, but it was a dad, and he and he had his boys still in diapers sitting on the couch next to him. You can't see the TV, but you know something's happening. It's a really tense moment because they they're like getting up in their chair and it's like uh, uh, you see the tension building and this one one and a half year old kid you could see the tension building He's like uh, and then something whatever it is happens and the and the, the little one and a half year old kid goes like this he scored a touchdown or something and and the dad at the exact same moment goes like this and they had a different view but this is what the kid this is what happens next the the kid looks at dad and he goes, oh. and he, he, he collapses on the chair. He's like, ah, oh, this is the greatest tragedy of all time. You know, he has no context. But he's, what is he doing? He's imitating the dad. He's wanting to be similar to the dad. He wants to, he wants to like what the dad's like. He just kind of had the context wrong. He knew something exciting was going on. But, and and that's, that's this idea. Of analyzing our spiritual things. So I'm really excited about this. Oh, wait. God's not excited about that. Maybe, maybe, ah. Maybe I, I need to change my, my outlook on, on this thing that I was so excited about. This is the way I used to be excited about things. But this is different now. Because my dad doesn't like that. Because I've been adopted and I have a different dad. And, and this dad likes the other team. And so the things that I, I used to get into, the, the things that were a part of that makeup, need to change. And that is the first step of, of relationship. Connection. How am I connected to God? I'm going to turn it over to you. Let's stand.